Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration, and I honestly didn't even know that was something I was gonna have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, (laughs) but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at Buzzing with Miss B.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to episode 62. Today you are going to get to listen in on a coaching call that I am hosting with an instructional coach who needs some support. I am talking to Patrice Harvey today about how she can balance district initiative support while supporting teachers in the areas that they actually want support in. This is a challenge that any coach with district initiatives has faced. We get initiatives from the top down. Sometimes we get programs, we get um, goals and all sorts of things that don't originate from our work with teachers. And we are responsible many times for ensuring that those initiatives or goals or whatever get rolled out and effectively implemented on campus. But sometimes that's not what teachers are looking for support in. They're not excited about those. Maybe they're not invested in them, or maybe they're just not concerned about them. They don't think they're meeting the needs of their kids. So a real challenge can be whenever the coach has to support these district initiatives or programs, but teachers are not really on board with that. And they are having issues in other areas, but they feel take precedence over the district initiative. So what do you do? Well, we're going to talk about some possibilities today with Patrice and see if we can give her some ideas on what she could try implementing. And maybe some of this will work for you too. All right. So welcome Patrice to the podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm really glad you could join me today. I think we're going to talk about a topic that a lot of coaches um, struggle with. This is really common. I know I had similar issues with, you know, lots of district initiatives coming down the pike 
yet teachers need other kinds of support or maybe aren't as excited about those district initiatives. <laughs> so um, I think this is really relevant. So I'm glad that we're going to have this conversation. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what your job looks like so I can get a good idea of the kinds of responsibilities that you have? Sure. Um, so again, I'm, I'm Patrice Harvey. Um, I work in a suburban district in, um, in the suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, I am a first year instructional coach, um, but I've been teaching for over 20 years. Um, I've had a wide range of roles from elementary all the way up through high school. Um, I did some digital um, coaching, uh, technology coaching for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, so this was, this has always been a dream of mine to do um, literacy coaching. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when the opportunity came open, um, I, uh, you know, I applied to the school that I was currently teaching at. And um, this is my first full year of actually being in the role. So I'm excited. Yeah, congratulations. This is a tough year to step into this role, but good job for you. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw this coming. No, <laughs> whenever you were applying, I know that wasn't part of your, <laughs> what part of what your goals were, were to learn how to coach during a pandemic, but this is definitely on the job experience <laughs> in that area. <laughs> so that's great. It's, it's good that you're supporting your teachers through this time right now. Um, what kinds of roles do you regularly serve as an instructional coach? What does your job kind of look like? Well, you know, I really have to um, credit um, you and uh, Nicole in terms of um, helping me to frame my job. It, it didn't really have a solid, um, I guess, like a, a, a solid list of you're going to do this, yeah. this, and this. I, and I was fortunate. Um, my principal is passionate about literacy. Um, he and I had had some discussions about, you know, some things that we could um, implement school-wide and, um, and, you know, he, and the fact that it would take a, a, a literacy coach to really be able to get that done. So um, I, I read you guys' books <laughs> right before, like all summer. I was reading the books and listening to the podcast and doing different things and you know, using those resources to kind of flesh out. Um, so a lot of the roles, Chrissy, that you actually have on your, you have a checklist of coaching responsibilities. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching mm -hmm. with teachers, um, with new teachers. I um, was also asked to do some content coaching for language arts and social studies. Um, I... Uh, put together um, a school-wide literacy team. That was the first time we had had one of those. So um, I'm chairing that, um, that group of teachers. Um, and we deployed a school-wide um, vocabulary initiative. Hmm. So I kind of, you know, was spearheading that. Um, and then, of course, you know, gathering resources, um, you know, making sure that I'm cheering teachers on. Um, I was monitoring the vocabulary initiative just to make sure that it's done, you know, with fidelity and, and to, you know, be available if the teachers needed. So I've been able to do some co-teaching. Um, I've been able to do some modeling. Um, gosh, a lot. I'm sure there's a lot that I'm not. And I also teach a, um, a reading intervention class okay. two days a week. 
Yeah. So um, I, I help with, uh, we, we just finished writing um, a draft for a grant, a federal grant. Um, and then I, you know, help to review um, resources. So that's the, those are the things that I can remember that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. This sounds like a really good focus. I love that you've initiated that, that team as well, that literacy team to get input from teachers, because that's a good, good place to start um, to make sure the teachers are invested in some of the things that are going on. Um, so what are the, you mentioned some district initiatives that you're trying to kind of balance that that's one of the challenges that you're having right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so our district has um, several strategies, I would say, okay. that um, they specifically are looking for teachers to utilize um, in the classrooms. Um, our teachers, however, are looking for more um, strategies that help the kids with um being able to read the content that they have, um, particularly in the different content, like subject areas. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they are really hungry for um, things that are going to help the kids be able to understand those more complex texts, um, things that are going to help with vocabulary acquisition. Um, and writing is a huge deal at our school. Um, that, you know, that's an, it's, a, it's a big initiative in our district. But it, so, you know, of course, it impacts our school in a, in a big way. Um, but our students are, they struggle in that area. And so I think that the conflict sometimes comes between, um, you know, making sure that the things that the district has on its radar and, you know, kind of has purchased or being, um, you know, used and implemented in the classrooms versus, you know, sometimes the needs of my teachers are not that broad. You know, they're, they're a little bit more specific. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they, they, you know, they are, they need more help with processing. I did this. This is what went well. You know, this is what I wanted to happen. This is what actually happened. Right. And how can I um, do it better next time? Mm -hmm. So I think what, what happened was um, probably a rookie mistake. I, uh, <laughs> I started visiting a new content area because at first I was just supporting um, ELA and then my principal asked me to start to support social studies. And um, so we, we had our district meeting and um, the district personnel, you know, stressed certain things that they were looking for. So of course I came back to the, PL and I said, oh, okay, so, you know, these are the things that the district is looking for. How are you implementing these things in your room? And it, it was like, I felt the shift. Prior to that, I was, you know, still, uh, I, we, my principal and I were very intentional about separating my role from admin. Uh -huh. So I don't do any observations, you know, we have an understanding in terms of confidentiality. Um, and so up until that point, things were great. The teachers were talking and we were, um, you know, collaborating and all of those kinds of things. And as soon as I started, you know, mentioning, well, you know, are you using the such and such strategy and how's, 
such and such going and you know this is one of the things that they look I've I literally felt the shift in the in the in um the reception that I was getting from the teachers that is a really good observation um because you're totally right in that it happens that whenever we are put in charge of initiatives that the teachers are not necessarily that they didn't come from the teachers like they're right it came from administration it came from top down and we're we're responsible for implementing those and you know fidelity and all of that that can be perceived as teachers as oh now you're checking up on me now you're trying to make sure now you're going through with your checklist and you're going to see if I'm doing right before we were a team and now you're the boss Right. And that's, yes. that's tricky. It's a very fine line to walk. It's very hard. Um, and I was also responsible for many district initiatives and making sure that people followed through on those. And it, it's sometimes it's kind of unavoidable given your responsibilities. If that's the way it's defined in the district, you can't not do those things. Um, yeah. But maybe we can think about how they can be approached in a way that shows, look, this is what everybody's held accountable for, not by me but this is the accountability. Let me help you get where you need to be. Um, right. Maybe if we can frame it that way, that might be a way that teachers would be like, all right, you can help me, but don't evaluate me. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was hoping, you know, I, I was hoping that it would come across that way. Um, right. But I, you know, I don't think it landed the way I intended. And, and it was it funny because the, the day that I, um, you know, really felt um, that reaction, um, I was going through the coffee and coaching. I'm, I'm a member of the coffee and coaching yeah. um, group. And you had, you guys did a lesson on uh, reluctant teachers or um, oh, I can't remember the coaching resistant teachers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I have notes all on the margin. Like I wrote all on the outside margin of the paper. And now when I go into a session um, on my notes, I, in all caps, I put listen so that I can, you know, hear what's going on to try to, um, I guess, I, I, I hate to say damage, but, you know, just to kind of rectify Mm -hmm. um maybe the way that it that it came across when I um you know when I started um mentioning about paying attention to the district initiative so that's a really good point um really getting feedback from teachers and listening to how they feel about these initiatives and maybe that is a place where you can explicitly go like you can deliberately say um hey I've no you can even tell them I I noticed that whenever we started talking about these district initiatives it might feel like um I am an evaluator, or it might feel like I am here to hold you accountable for those. And that's really not my intention. My intention is to support you in, in actually completing these things or in implementing these things that we've been asked to do. Um, but I'm not okay. here to evaluate you in that area. So what I want from all you teachers is to tell me, how do you feel about these initiatives? Are there some that are working really well? Are there some that are not as effective? Can we find one or two to maybe focus on that you think could be really supportive of your kids? And then maybe if you mm-hmm. kind of start from there and just kind of put it out there, you know, because you have a relationship with most of these people from the past, right? Because you worked on this campus. Right. So they'll, they'll know you, you know, you carry with integrity, you know, they'll know who you are. 
right? So if you put it out there, hopefully they will, they'll be like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I yeah, can trust you, yeah. I believe you. <laughs> and, okay. um, and you can go from there and, and maybe have a few really purposeful questions where you say, like where you, where you respond to those initiatives, but you res- you're asking them for their input on them, not so much how they're doing it, but what they think of them. And then okay. you can kind of move into it from there with an understanding that some of them they might be maybe think are effective. And some of them they're like, I just don't even know what that's supposed to do. You know, <laughs> um, right. Are, have you know, are there some that, that seems like teachers are comfortable with and some that it seems like they're not, or what kinds of a reading are you getting on that? Um, it seems as though they, they have some that they are more comfortable with. Um, and they have some that they are, you know, using on a regular basis. Um, it, the, the biggest thing I hear a lot is having time to implement um, the different strategies and what those should look like virtually. I've heard that. Yeah. Those two things most. Um, because a lot of the strategies were taught, you know, and, and framed for face-to-face instruction. And they do provide, the district does provide, this is what it could look like in the virtual. But, you know, our, with the schedule, we're on a block schedule. And um, there are a lot of days where you may miss a, a group of kids because of a holiday so now you're two days behind instruction and then trying to, you know, compound that with, you know, use the strategies. Some, sometimes it just, um, it's just a little tricky to kind of, to kind of fit in. Yeah. The stress level is high right now. People are being asked to it do is. a whole lot with not very much. Um, the, I mean, the time frame is difficult. Virtual teaching is limiting and the access that we have to like teach really great lessons online. It's, it's just different. And we can't, you know, we, we really can't pretend that it's not. Um, and right. so we have to like accept that, you know, and, um, and then try to do our best within it, which is, it's a, you know, you're always walking this line. Like again, coaching is all about tight roping. I don't <laughs> walk in a tight rope. Like, I don't know any other way <laughs> to say it. you're always on a tight rope. I feel like, um, so yeah. So yeah, we're trying to say, okay, yeah, you're totally right. These are valid concerns. What can we do? Right. Um, so the virtual part, do you have any teachers? Well, before I ask that, what are some of the strategies that you're working on with the district? Uh, we are using uh, site explain. It's called CER. It's a, it's a writing strategy. Okay. Um, and that's for social studies. I don't know why my, my brain is not working. It's the end of the day, <laughs> okay. but it's, it's the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's related to them being able to, um, res- do like a short response okay. to something that they've read where they cite evidence. Um, and then they, you know, they explain that evidence, they give their reasoning, Mm-hmm. Um, behind. And that is a hard standard anyway. Um, that's one of the standards that we have here in Georgia. I don't know. I think that's a, um, one of the national standards about citing textual evidence. Um, and so that strategy is intended to help get the kids used to doing that. But the, the issue sometimes is that the kids either they can't read the material in the first place or 
they read it and they're able to pull the evidence, but they don't know how to explain the evidence. So it's, you know, it's a really good strategy if the children are already proficient in being able to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you have kids who are struggling and then you compound that with, we're, uh, you know, kind of behind with pacing, um, compounded with, you know, um, I'm trying to open, do the, you know, do the work and the closing in for two days worth of work in one day is hard. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it would be helpful to say, okay, we're not going to throw this whole strategy out there because that is not real. Right. But what we can do is just focus on this one part of it. So over the next few weeks, we're just going to focus on the C part. We're just going to practice siding. But that's what we're going to do or whatever requisite skills. So maybe if that's even that's too much, right, then start with, okay, what requisite skills do the kids need in order to be able to do this? And let's work on those Mm -hmm. for a few weeks. And then we can add the next layer and the next layer over time. Um, But we don't want to jump right into something if it's overwhelming to them. If that's an area that the teachers are seeing that they're just not prepared for, let's backtrack, set up the requisite framework that the kids need, and then add on those other layers. That might be something actually, it might be like supportive of teachers who are like, there's no way we can cram this into, (laughs) you know, our day. And it could be a task actually for your literacy team to say, okay, this strategy, we know it's a good one, but we know it's really hard right now. So what can we, can we devolve this into something, you know, into its components and then go from there? Like, let's set up a schedule or something like a rollout plan. Um, Not like a rigid schedule, but just like, first we'll do this and then we'll do that. Um, maybe if you had your team get some buy-in on that and like input, it might help you kind of roll that out with the rest of your faculty. I really like that. Um, because again, that is a strategy that is, uh, it crosses all the content areas yeah. and it's the thing that, um, the historically our students struggle with that, that particular standard anyway, whether they're writing or whether they're, um, you know, it, do, doing uh, analysis in class, they just, mm-hmm. they just have a hard time with that standard. Yeah. So yeah, I like that, that idea. Uh, yeah, that might be helpful because it is a challenging thing that to ask them to do, but it is so important because it's like, it's requisite for everything they're going to do in school ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an important one to focus on, but I feel like you can get a lot of mileage out of it if you work on the little pieces first. And really you had mentioned that your teachers are, wanting strategies it sounds like they want strategies for reading and writing across the curriculum right they're like yes. we need to figure out how to get our kids to be successful readers in all content areas so if you look at like around like if that's your main focus like just choose a couple of the district strategies if that's a big one focus on that and then say okay requisite reading strategies that we need to use to support this would be what how can we backtrack this and then so work on reading strategies that would be supportive of getting kids to be successful in those areas as well, that they can also use across the curriculum. Maybe minimizing the, right now it's really about focusing on what's essential, I feel like, because they just don't have the time to do everything at 100%. And we didn't have the time to do everything at 100% when we were in school all the time. That's (laughs) right, that's right. (laughs) So we have to be (laughs) even better at like distilling what they need down to the most essential bits. So maybe looking at, okay, what are two of the reading strategies that we can focus on that will really be supportive of this writing strategy? And your literacy team can kind of build around that and just say, look, we're not going to worry about everything in the world. We're just going to focus on these. 
and get mm. good at something. Because some teachers never have time to get good at anything. As soon as you give yes. them something, you give them something else, and we give them something else, and then we're like, "Are you still doing all that stuff we told you about three years ago? Do you remember?" <laughs> so <laughs> it's exhausting, but I, that might be supportive of of teachers who are like overwhelmed with too much, and getting that teacher input from your literacy team might be the way to get some people a little more excited about trying it out because at least it came from real teachers, you know, on the campus yeah. and not just from the district. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. Yay. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, you know, I was also thinking about, and I'm not sure how much, how supportive this will be, but like in your coaching work, whenever we think about how we provide support to teachers, we kind of have like tier one support and tier two support and tier three support. Right. And so it's, it's differentiated. Um, because our tier one support is probably going to be whatever, it's, it's whatever everybody needs, which probably is your district stuff, right? That's what everybody's mm. required to get. So everybody right. has to get that during PD and, you know, certain PLCs and stuff. Then we can differentiate maybe by grade level. Whenever we meet with grade levels, maybe we can differentiate based on their needs. And then whenever you okay. are, that's like a tier two. And then tier three is your individual teacher support. And we're saying, okay, this teacher has a goal to get good at this. And I'm going to support them in that. And it may or may not relate to the district stuff, but if it's really yeah. important for that teacher, then that's what they need right now. Just like your tier three students, like your tier one is like, everybody gets it. And it's based on your standards. Your tier three may not be, it may not look like your standards. It might look like whatever those kids need in order to be successful on those standards eventually. Right. Right. So some teachers are going, that strategy is not working for me. I might, I still have management issues. I'm still figuring out how to teach online. I'm still figuring out, you know, how to get kids engaged whenever I don't have uh, paper and pencil and dry erase boards in front of me. You know, what do I do? Yeah. So yeah. maybe differentiating that support at those levels, you know, tier one, two, three, you're like your district stuff, your grade level stuff, and then your individual teacher stuff might be a way to kind of some teachers who are overwhelmed maybe the individual they support, they support that they need is not that district stuff right now. Maybe it's, it's whatever they need, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. And it, it'll help me as well. Um, because, um, again, you know, this is my first year and, um, sometimes I go in to the, um, the PLs and I'm just like, I don't even know <laughs> what to do. So, I, um, you know, I, I have, um, come up, I've, I've gotten really good at asking questions. That's great. So that I can figure out, okay, the, I hear, this is what I hear. Mm -hmm. This is what you need. You know, I can give you, so I've, I feel like I've, I've gotten better at doing the short term, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I can help you, you know, that kind of stuff. But I like the idea for the tiers because in my mind, it helps me organize from meeting to meeting long-term mm -hmm. what we need to do, what initiative, you know, what, what strategies we need to focus on, maybe even what vocabulary oh, we yeah. need to, to push out school-wide that supports those, um, you know, prerequisite reading skills and those writing skills and so it, it just, it makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense. I, that's yeah. good. I'm glad because it's, I, I was thinking about, we just have so much input as coaches that we're supposed to just figure out how to output, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's like, okay, without like kind of a structured approach, how am I going to, what, what do I focus on when, you know, it's just so yeah. much stuff. 
Um, so that could be one way to do it. And, you know, differentiating by those grade levels, I think is really helpful because some grades are going to struggle with certain things and other grades are going to struggle with others. But if you can use those grade level meetings or whatever interaction you have with grades to respond to their needs, then they're hopefully you'll, you'll start to see more of a, of an interest in, in integrating those kinds of those strategies that you're sharing, you know? Um, Yeah. Because that is, it's, it's just a lot that we're asking of people right now. We're asking a lot of teachers and a lot of coaches. So I think that that might be helpful. Just like you're saying to organize all the stuff that you've got. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you also mentioned asking questions, which is so important. Getting feedback from teachers um, is, can help guide that differentiation process. And so mm-hmm. having a survey for grade levels and having a survey for individual teachers, that might be a way to go about figuring out, okay, what is it that they really need from me right now? Okay. And you could include the district initiatives on there. Say like, these are things that the district's asking us to work on, but I also want to know what you are needing. So like okay. out of these initiatives, which are really essential to you and also what else, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that might be a way to get that feedback from them, you know, and you can, they don't have to put their names on it if you want to do it per grade level. And then they just turn in a grade level one, or, I mean, it just depends on, on your faculty. Um, But that might be helpful for differentiating that support and figuring out also, you know, for your literacy team, if you create a survey for them to use with their teams, is is it like a grade level representative? It is. Okay. That could be perfect. So they could take it back to their teams their grade levels, and then they could bring it to the literacy team and say, okay, I asked my grade level. These are the things they think that our kids are struggling in the most, that if we worked on these things first, they'd be successful in these other areas. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And that way you get the maximum, like they're, they're showing up as a leader. They're asking their grade levels. What do we need? Where are we stuck? What is keeping our kids from being successful in these things? And right. then out of these district strategies, which do you think we should really focus on that would be the best for to support our kids right now? What do they need right now? Um, and okay. then they could work on that rollout together as a literacy team once they have the feedback from their grade levels. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> um, any thoughts about how some of this might work out or, or what you're thinking? Um, I mean, it, I, I, it really helps, like I said, in terms of the process, I'm, I'm a process person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I need steps. I need structure. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, I feel like this first year, I really, really wanted to focus on the relationships and the trust building. Um, you know, and as the year went on, it, it just seemed like more and more and more, um, which was a good thing because the teachers were responding and, you know, the, the, the literacy bug was kind of, you know, catching on. And, um, <laughs> and so it just, it, it just really became um, a lot. And I, and I know, you know, that as fellow coaches, um, you know, your, your listeners can, can relate to that. Um, but this helps me, especially with the, the tiers and um, using the literacy team to go out and get that information from their grade level and bring it back. I think this year I did, I did a lot. It's not that they weren't willing. Mm-hmm. It was just um, kind of like I told my, you know, I told one of my administrators, when you ask me what I need, I don't really know 
sometimes what to tell you. <laughs> I don't really know what I need until, you know, I've, I've started it. And then I'm thinking, man, I, this was <laughs> bigger than I thought it was going to be. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah until this, you this start does help. That's good. I'm, I'm really glad about that. I think you can get a lot of mileage out of that literacy team. Um, and you can get a lot of hopefully buy-in because if things, if they make decisions, then, you know, their mm-hmm. colleagues are more likely to accept them and to, and, and to want to, you know, work in those directions because they had the, they had the voice, right? They, right. We're sharing the, the voice. We're saying, okay, we all, we need to know you're, you're in the trenches. Tell me what's happening and let's right. figure out how we can make this work. So I think they yeah. can get a lot of mileage out of that and just creating it to start with was great. Um, and now you can figure out different ways to use them to get the maximum benefit from having those voices. Right. So that'll be really good. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we wrap up or, or do you feel like you have kind of a plan? <laughs> I feel like I have a, I definitely have a plan for this. I, um, you, but you know, it, it really, it reminded me to kind of go back and, and look at some other things. Um, um, you know, as far as um, getting better at what I'm doing, you know, like a coach for the coach. Right. <laughs> I guess. We all need one. We all yeah. are so right. We do. Because, you know, this is something that I tell, I tell my friend Nicole Turner, you know, from Coffee and Coaching. I tell her all the time we get stuck in our bubble. And so we're, mm-hmm. and we're working with the same people on the same things. And we're like, what now? What? You know, and we yeah. can't, we're working with these people and we can't see past the people or we can't see past the issues we're having, which is superhuman. I mean, it's normal that that happens. Um, but there's, there are people everywhere that can give us perspective, right? We just have to reach yeah. out and find it. But, um, but yeah, it's very common. I know I, that's happened to me plenty of times where I'm like, I cannot, I cannot even think of one more possible solution to this. I am <laughs> tapped out, right? Yeah. And we have to find a friend. We have to phone a friend. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, reaching out. I'm glad that you did, um, that you reached out for some support in this area. And I really would love to hear how this goes. If you implement any of these, I would love to hear about it. If you want to share with me or, you know, um, share about it on an Instagram and tag me so I can see in whatever way I would love to hear how these, how this goes. Great. Okay. All right. I Thank sure you. will. Thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right, coaches. So that was a really nice conversation. I'm really hoping that you listen to the whole thing because I think that what Patrice is dealing with is what so many coaches are dealing with, figuring out how to meet teachers' needs while dealing with district initiatives, while not being an evaluator, while not being an administrator, while being a support and collaborator. And it's a lot going on in coaching life. So that was some really great, um, those are some really great tips that we talked about. I really hope that you do some thinking about those and see how they can be implemented into your own coaching work. Next week, I'm super excited to share my episode. I'm talking to Myrna and it's going to be, uh, she's Myrna from Enya Health and we're going to be talking about the Enneagram for coaches. And um, it's funny, I was just telling Patrice that I feel like a hundred times better when I have a plan of, of what's going to happen. When I know it's going to happen, I feel good about things. When I don't know what's going to happen, I, I get a lot of nervousness and anxiety around that. And 
that is my Enneagram type, like to a T because I'm a one and I have an issue with not being right and not knowing what to do and not doing the right thing. That's, those are things that really stress me out. So I've been fascinated with the Enneagram since I found it. It's, I mean, it's not like an obsession level, but it is fun to learn about. So next episode 63, I'm talking to Myrna from Ennea Health, and we are going to talk about the Enneagram for instructional coaches and how knowing your Enneagram type and actually interacting with teachers with the knowledge of their Enneagram types can be supportive of your coaching work. So definitely join me for that. I'm also going to link the coaching resistant teachers. Um, uh, it's well, okay. It's, there's coaching resistant teachers is a video that I created instructional video. I created for the coffee and coaching membership. However, I do have a free email video training and you get like a little mini video every day for five days. And so you can actually join that Patrice mentioned it. And she said it was really supportive. I actually talked to another coach the other day who said the same exact thing. So I really want you to get in on that. You can scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and get that coaching resistant teachers. Um, uh, entry, entry, you just enter in, in your email and you can log in for that. And that's also, you can go to buzzingwithmsb.com slash episode 62 and get it there. And that way you get those tools every day to your inbox. I also have a resource that might be helpful. It's, um, surveys that you can use with teachers to get feedback. So I'm going to share the link to the surveys in the show notes as well, because if you can get feedback from your teachers on things, it's going to guide your practice so much. And they will also have a voice in the direction that you're heading. And we know that people will always respond better if they feel like they have a voice. So I want you to check that stuff out. I really hope you get that coaching resistant teachers um, right sent right to your email. And until I see you there in your inbox, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.